I'm Dave Baker. And I'm Spandrew Spice. Welcome to Deep Cuts, the podcast where we pick a topic and walk you through the ins, the outs, and the nitty-gritty, so that you can appear like an interesting and idiosyncratic person at your next forced social function. Today's topic is... The Killdozer. What is the Killdozer? Well, in the early 2000s, Marvin Heemeyer, a small-town, mild-mannered, auto-body repair shop owner, was pushed to the breaking point by zoning conflicts and an extended beef with a concrete manufacturing company into building a modified death machine bulldozer. He went on a rampage through the Colorado small town of Granby, destroying everything in sight. It's a dozer, but it kills people. Revenge, it's a word with a simple meaning and one that rarely ends well for everyone. They say revenge is a dish best served cold, but in this case, revenge is a dish best served utterly flattened and demolished. Marvin John Heemeyer was born October 28, 1951. While he was born in South Dakota, he moved to Colorado roughly 10 years prior to the events in question at the age of 38. He initially came to Colorado on vacation, but discovering he liked it, he decided to move there, specifically to Grand Lake, Colorado. He quickly found work as an auto body mechanic. In 1992, he purchased two acres of land in Granby, Colorado, just a short drive from his house. He bought it for $42,000. Heemeyer retired from the Air Force in 1969, and since then had been working as a welder and mechanic. He wanted to be in control of his own destiny, so he used the land that he bought to open his own auto body shop with an emphasis on muffler repair, which was his specialty. The first few years, they went well. He started to make a name for himself. He even expanded his business into body repair. But like so many things in American life, God is in the details. And hell hath no fury like zoning agreements. Somewhere around the late 90s, Heemeyer was approached by the Dacha family. They wanted to buy his land in order to make a concrete manufacturing plant. Initially reticent, Heemeyer was shocked to see that the way that the plant was going to be constructed would have literally cut off access to his property. The primary road that he used to get from his home to work would literally just have a factory across it. This is wild. Like, I don't know if you've seen any of these maps, but it is nuts. It's like, the only way to get to his like uh, little shop was, you know, it's a little shop out in the middle of nowhere. And there's, you know, in the countryside of this small town in Colorado. And there's one road that goes there. And it's like the shop is here and the road is like this. And then there's a fucking mountain on the other side. So it's not like you just go around the factory when it was built. And they built the factory in an L shape, cutting off like just to f- it, 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 there's no way that they didn't do this just to fuck this guy. Like they built it with a giant L. Yeah, yeah. Like, like you're you're not gonna just leave this place. Like, obviously, what we want you to do is just leave, but you're not. So we're just gonna like make we're gonna like force you to like passive aggressively. Yeah, and it's not even that passive. It's just fully like fuck you. We're driving you out, which is like so brutal. Like. This story, Marvin Heeman is not a relatable person. He's not a sympathetic character. But also, this guy got pushed. Like, he, everybody fucked this dude. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, we'll, we'll get into it. But what you're saying, I think, is kind of the central thrust of the, the theme of this, which is like, 
this is how everybody is kind of treated by billionaires and corporate America. Like they just don't give a fuck and they just will, they, all they care about is getting what they want and they will fuck with anybody. They'll, they'll fucking poison water supplies. They'll drive people out of their homes. They'll, you know, pump cancer into the skies. They don't, they don't care. And this is a situation where this is what happens when just the normal way that everybody is treated is done to like the wrong guy yeah yeah fucking michael douglas and falling down yeah 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 it's, yeah it's literally it's just falling down it's like this this is what happens whenever you apply the status quo to somebody who just is not willing to acquiesce to the social contract yeah they just uh, they're untethered you know like he just has nothing to lose he's not married doesn't have kids you know it, yeah it's fucking dark Cody Dochev began negotiating with Hemeyer in earnest, trying to get him to see the benefits of just selling the property and going somewhere else. According to Susan Dochev, Hemeyer negotiated with them for an extended period of time, in which he initially asked for $250,000. And after they agreed, he then upped his asking price to $375,000. And then, one million. In 2001, Granby's zoning commission and trustees heard the case of Mountain Park Concrete's proposed factory. They approved construction permits, which sent Hemeyer into a rage. He unsuccessfully appealed the decision, claiming that it blocked his path in and out of his shop. When inspectors were sent to the location, though, they discovered something else entirely. There was no septic tank on the property. How was he disposing of his waste? They fined him $2,500 for this. Yeah, just once again, more like, we're just like, just fuck you. Like, oh, you're gonna, you, you have this very reasonable complaint that makes all the sense in the world. And technically we should be protecting you from these corporate fucks. No, we're gonna find something wrong that we can pin on you. It's just so sad, too, because it, it's look, would it have been a, a shot to his ego if he had taken that three hundred and seventy five grand? Yes. Would it have sucked? And would the bad guys have won? Yes. But if he had just taken the three hundred and seventy five grand, he could start a new shop somewhere else. He would have made fucking ten times his money back. Just buy property somewhere fucking else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for for him specifically and for all the all the all the uh destruction that ensues morally ethically it would have been a lose it would have been you know the little guy fucking backing down to the bullshit demands of corporate fat cats but like yeah he just took the money and went somewhere else and everything would have been kind of fine but that's but that's what they that's what they want though that's what they fucking want yeah but it's really hard to get the last laugh when you're you know spoiler alert not alive yeah and 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 I think that yeah, but it, it it's it, it's interesting because like there's a, there's a thing that happened. I don't know how this news like made its way out of Burbank because Burbank is its own city and it's also a tiny little town. So like even though it's basically L.A., it also like has like small town energy. And I think that things that happen in Burbank aren't necessarily of greater interest to L.A. But within L.A., this was or within Burbank, this was like this was like a huge story that was like ongoing and people were talking about it for a while but during the height of the lockdown where businesses were closed um and and particularly like bars and clubs were closed um for a while there was this there was this bar here in Burbank that's down the street from my house 
called Ten Horn Flats. And it was like, it's like this Western saloon style bar. And the the owners of the bar were these like are these like hardcore conservative like COVID truthers who thought that COVID was not a real thing and that it was all just like the government trying to control people and like destroy small businesses and things like that. And so um, at whenever whenever they whenever California or whenever L.A. gave or no way when California gave the the word that like other businesses could open up like retail stores and things like that. But bars and clubs still had to stay closed. That was kind of like the final straw for them. And they just, they just lost their minds. And so they just started opening the bar and basically went into this power struggle with the city where they would open the bar, the city would come out and close them down. And then they would just open the bar again and the city would come out and close them down. And it was like, it was like a, it was like a Wiley Coyote roadrunner situation where the city just kept taking more bigger and bigger measures to close them down. So they put a giant city owned padlock on the front door and the guys busted the padlock and opened back up. And then they put like a fucking chain around the whole building and then they busted the chain and opened the store back up. And then they put a literal fence. They constructed a fence around the entire building and they busted open the fence and opened back up. And all this time, there's like all these protesters, all these like there, there's there's like these huge protests going on out there with these people flying Trump flags and like COVID is a hoax and like driving up and down the street with like flags on their thing saying like, fuck the government and all, all this stuff, which doesn't make any sense because Trump was the president. So that just is confusing, like fuck the government, but also Trump 2024. Um, he's literally the one in charge right now. Uh, but there was this huge thing. It was this huge dramatic thing. And it resulted in essentially the owners of this bar didn't actually own the building and the guy's ex-wife owned the building. And so she stepped in and they just like shut the building down. They put the fence around it. They fucking double padlocked everything. And the wife like evicted the the guy and kicked him out. And so now that 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 bar is just closed, like it's shut down and is no more. And it's like, if they had just waited a little longer, because like they they gave this they gave the signal that bars could reopen like not long after this whole drama started. In fact, I think that they were still in this power struggle when they gave the signal that bars could reopen. Like they were only keeping it closed because they had violated the restrictions and were breaking the law. So after they had already been like, everything can reopen, bars are good, they were still doing this thing where they were putting up fences and breaking them and things like that just because they were in violation of the, of the laws and stuff. If, if these guys had waited like, like a month, they would have just been fine. But they, but they doubled down on this thing and now the bar just doesn't exist anymore. And to me, I'm thinking like, yeah, if you just waited like another month, you'd be okay. But I, in their minds, I think that they, they, I think they think they did the right thing. They like... They did not back down to this. They 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 stood up for their their rights and they didn't acquiesce and they're like martyrs. So, you know, one man's like, what the fuck are you doing? Just take the money and open up another shop somewhere else is another man's like, I'm a fucking martyr. 
Well, that's kind of like what I was saying of that he, you know, he was untethered in a good way and a bad way, right? Like, I think some people have this idea of, you know, I have my freedom. I I am a single dude. I, you know, my passion is welding and auto body repair. So I'm opening this shop and I'm pursuing it and I built this, you know, career for myself. And this is, you know, I'm, I'm living my dream and this company is trying to take my dream away, blah, 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 blah. So it's like you're living in this theoretical world of pure ego, you know, because the business is you, you are the business. And so when somebody's trying to take the business away from you, it it is that location, it is that warehouse, it couldn't be somewhere else because there's no one in your life to be like, yeah, but there's there's other rooms. Like it's just a room, right? Like there's other there's other stretches of land. You just move your business. It's not like they're running you out of business completely. They're just saying, we're running you out of this location and laugh all the way to the bank, make 400K from them and then buy some other $42,000 patch of land. And now you're up all of this money and you still have your business. You know, he didn't have a partner, a wife, a husband, a, a son, a daughter, somebody that was close with him to just be like, I get it. It sucks that they're doing this. It's wrong. It's evil. But also there is a version of this that is beneficial to you. And that you could live to fight another day. Yeah. I mean, I, I 100% would have taken the money. $400,000 $400, in my pocket, move out of the building, take that money, and then you know what? Arby's for life. Taking the loss on the chin, Heemeyer accepted defeat. He just asked that the local government help out by putting in a new road to his shop. However, they declined. So he went one step further. He bought a bulldozer in order to do the work of making the road himself. He just filed for permits to be able to legally do the work, to which the local Granby government denied him. Just fucking just railroaded at every at every point. This dude bought a bulldozer to build a road. That is an insane level of commitment to a bit. And that's a consistent level of fuck you. No, go fuck yourself. Go die in a hole. Crazy, crazy. Homie is willing to make a fucking road to just keep doing his thing. He's not bothering anybody. He's just repairing mufflers. And they're like, we don't like your mufflers. Get the fuck out of here. Take your mufflers and get the fuck out. Amazing, amazing. Mufflers, more like we've had enoughlers. Dave's drinking a, a, a bottle of cum. Oh my god, this is disgusting. What are you? What are you, Why are you saying this? Because it because it censors it out. When it, like you, they don't it know that. It, They're not seeing it, this video. D Dave has a blur on his screen, and so any object, it, the way that the blur happens is it like recognizes your face and it puts you in focus and it blurs everything out. But so when you lift objects into the screen, it also blurs them out. And so it has a very funny visual effect of making it look like it's censored. And so every time Dave lifts this giant jug into frame and drinks it, it's it's censored out, which makes it seem like he's drinking something explicit. Longest walk ever. <laughs> Pretty short walk to me. Short walk to the bathroom to refill the jug. God damn it. I, I just can't believe that they denied him this permit. That's it's just like it literally doesn't hurt anybody. Everybody wins like they still get their egregious oversized bullshit concrete factory. He still gets his stupid fucking muffler 
repair shop like just let him build a fucking road who gives a shit yeah yeah it's like it's like the it's like the fucking nightmare scenario of like bureaucratic i mean i just i can't i i can't i can't like convey how much it's like just you know a lifetime of context of like when you watch a show and they blur something out when you when you're not supposed to see it it just it just looks exactly like that my thirst is quenched. It's it's crazy that they were just like, fuck you. Like somebody on this city council hated this guy. Like somebody on the city council was just like, fuck you, Marvin Heemeyer. You cut me off once in traffic. Honestly, I'd like to believe that that was the case. I mean, it's none of it's all fucked up all the way all the way down. But I would like to believe that it was just somebody's like personal vendetta. Because the the other possibility is that it was literally just a sort of like the, the, this this bureaucratic city government with like unchecked power doubling down because they just didn't like somebody pushing back against their authority. Like that it wasn't a personal vendetta. It wasn't somebody who hated him personally. And it was just literally somebody who was just like, oh, this guy, he's not just like immediately like kowtowing to us and like doing exactly what we're asking him to and he's not letting us just push him around we're gonna like we're gonna make an example of this guy like that's the alternative and i would almost like to i would like to more believe that it was like a personal vendetta over that because that's worse to me that's even more fucked up if it was if it's just like this guy isn't submitting fucking push harder yeah ain't that the fucking truth or i guess the the third option i guess is like the docha family or docha family you know them like we're going to bring jarbs into the community and like the phantom specter of the idea of employment just immediately like trounces anyone else's rights, you know? Yeah. Which is probably more, that's probably the likely scenario. I think that's, that's uh that's, that's pretty common is like you have a small town. There is a, an opportunity for some big company to come in and, bring in money to the city and they're just like the city's just like oh shit fuck all you people it's dark no matter how you cut it it's fucking dark and bleak like it's it's really scary yeah i mean it's it's like a it's like a it's like the a bureaucratic this is like a bureaucratic nightmare scenario where just one dude gets on the radar of a bunch of like city clerks and they just like crunch the numbers to fuck this guy over to the maximum possibility. It's like if Kafka wrote a movie that was directed by 1989 or 1992 Joel, Joel Schumacher, you know? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So now he couldn't get to his shop. He was fined $2,500 for not having a septic tank and the local government ordered him to hook his property up to an integrated sewer line, which would have required a pipe running directly underneath the newly under construction Doge of property. It's, it's like a comedy of errors. Like it just can't get any worse. They're like, okay, so we're going to cut you off from your shop. Can't get into your fucking shop. But also, you need to have a septic tank. Actually, we don't even have a septic tank. We want you to have a sewer line that goes to, you know, the the grid or whatever. And the only access point is underneath the property that was just bought. So you have to get permission from the assholes who hate you in order to connect to it to stay. And if you can't stay, then we're going to kick you out. I mean, this is the argument for libertarianism. 
Like if you have if you have the little angel and devil on your shoulder, like the devil is that story about that town that got overrun by bears. This is the angel. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I can ever I can't I can't Rand Paul and Ron Paul have just forever tainted any possibility. Rand Paul is not a libertarian. He's a, just a Republican. Ron Paul is a libertarian. I thought Rand Paul ran as a libertarian. He did not. No, nah, he's a he's just a full on like fundamentalist Christian Republican. I fucking I just hate them. I just hate them both. I hate them both. So I can't. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, Ron Ron Paul isn't much better for sure. Yeah, but the the fact that they were just like, all right, now you got to go get. I mean, it's obvious what this was. This is just this was yet another you know bureaucratic jujitsu move to back him into another corner. You know. Yeah, so totally fucked. And it's like, and it's like, what? It's like, in any, it is like, it goes back to what I said about like, well, making an example of somebody because like, otherwise, why are you doing this to this one dude? Like, are it's like, it's like, it's got to be the way you're talking about that. It's just fucking with their profit of like this thing, this this company bringing money into the city because it's like, otherwise, it's just like, why are you spending all these time, this time and resources? On this one dude, what are you accomplishing from this? Yeah, like there's got to be, you know, best case scenario is the specter of jarbs. Worst case scenario is they like actively are paying off these city council or zoning officials or whatever, you know. Um, either way is terrible, but, you know. To make things even worse, he was fined additional monies for having what the inspectors called junk vehicles on his property, which is surreal considering he ran an auto body shop. Yeah, they're just, they're go they're going after him in every little technicality. They're spinning shit. They're reinterpreting, they're reverse engineering laws to find ways to, to like get him. Like it, this is just full on bureaucratic warfare. Yeah, and, and it, it this is the point where it basically breaks him. Like the junk vehicles citation is kind of the point of no return. Like little did they know. <laughs> this would break me. I, I'm at this point, like I you, you were saying like this guy's not relatable. I'd go full killdozer at this point. I don't think I have it in me. Maybe I do. I don't know. But I really don't. I really don't think I have it in me. Um, but it's hard to know until you've been pushed to the point of no return. I mean, I'm browsing bulldozers on eBay as we speak, just just like secondhand from reading this story. It was at this point that Hemeyer decided to start a project, a secret project. Ostensibly giving up the fight with the Dorchefs, he began leasing the property to a trash company and then eventually sold it to them for $400,000. They gave him roughly two months to vacate the premises before they completely took it over. So what did he do with his remaining time? He toiled away on a secret project, revenge. Hemar is quoted as saying in a leaked audio recording, I hope the people of Granby learn that the way you punished me over the years that I was down there turned me into a desperate man. And desperate men do desperate things to recover a lot of times. Not every time. Sometimes you're desperate and like you just jerk off and then you're fine. Like sometimes that lets a little of the steam out. Sometimes you drink a jug of cum. That works. But sometimes you do desperate things. I would like to state for the record that the back half of what Spandrew just said is not a Marvin Hemeyer, uh quote. It, it stopped at a lot of times. Uh, everything else was... Everything else was Dave Baker's manifesto. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hemeyer took his bulldozer home and housed it in his garage. It fit, shockingly, but just by one inch. So the timeline of this stuff is a little mushy to me. I read it multiple ways, so I'm not quite sure when he sold it. 
and when he started the secret project in my in my mind what i think happened is the the reporting is confused on this stuff because i've seen it written both ways that he did this in you know he sold it started leasing it and then sold it two months prior to the events of killdozer but it sometimes gets reported as like he settled with the trash company started leasing the property they gave him two months to get out and then two months later he did the thing uh but it really i think is like he stayed on the land for like a year and a half and then at the end of that year and a half he sold it to the trash company as like the exit window as his like ripcord basically yeah i think i think and i don't think i don't think we've ever said this before but i think that this is like something that maybe is is of note to bring up and you can sort of apply this to many other stories but this killdozer story unfortunately is one of the stories that has been sort of uh, picked up and turned into clickbait article website chum, where it's just one of those stories that has been at some point somebody took it and it went from a news story from a new, from a news organization, and it was taken and written up into a little clickbait article for some random content site like Diply or or. Uh, Atlas Obscura or something like that. And then it was taken from there. And because the way that these sites function is that they just see what everybody else is doing and they just they just copy their articles. They just see like, oh, BuzzFeed posted this. We'll just make our own version of this. Diply posted this. And so it's taken and there's no there's no journalistic standard for these sites. There's no there's no impetus or established baseline for like reporting accurately and and objectively there's just no rules around it it's just it's they're entertainment sites so then through this like long chain game of telephone where you have one writer arbitrarily changing details to fit better or because they just misunderstood the story or whatever the reason is you end up with a story that has been canonized with conflicting details and things that aren't true um, so whenever you do get, when, when we do sort of jump into a story like this, that has been sort of like pulled into the ecosystem of clickbait, it's in the research, it's hard to parse out the, the accurate details because there's so much that's been like injected into it by clickbait farms. And as a matter of fact, there's an episode that I'm working on where I just went and read, I, I went and read a, a, a book uh, 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 about the subject, um, just to be able to like circumvent all of the misinformation that's been generated about this story. Um, because I just realized that it was just too much and I couldn't really get a handle on what was accurate and what it wasn't. Um, but the, this killdozer story is definitely one of those. So just know that when we, when we do the research for these episodes, like we got to work extra hard to like get the actual real facts. Yeah, and uh, I'm not even going to say that we're perfect all the time. I'm sure that there's stuff that's gotten through or stuff that's just like very similarly worded or whatever to other shit on the internet because, you know, we made 133 of these episodes. I'm sure we missed something. The thing, So, yeah, basically he starts working on this secret project and the project is he's going to take this bulldozer and he brings it onto his property and he starts living on his property and he starts retrofitting the bulldozer that he initially bought to make this road and he starts turning it into a tank. He Meyer would work during the night and sleep all day. He was obsessed. He was a man spiraling further and further out of control. 
Act 2, The Onslaught. On June 4th, 2004, it all came to a head. Hemeyer drove his armored bulldozer through the wall of his former business and into the concrete plant and destroyed two full buildings. It is crazy. Like, the footage yeah. of this... The footage of this is nuts, dude. It is, it's like something out of Twisted Metal. Like, yeah, I am the one exterminating sun, slipping through the trees, strangling the breeze. Just fucking, just fucking tearing through buildings. Fucking early 2000s new metal, new metal playing. I did it all for the nookie. Hell I really yeah. hope I really hope he was just like rocking out to Limp Biscuit while fucking just destroying this shit. Oh, I'm sure he was. It's so I mean, he totally wasn't. He was like a 50 year old man. There's no way he was listening to Limp Biscuit. And if, if this had been, if this had happened like five years later, it would have been breaking Benjamin. Not to him. He's a he's a fucking middle aged guy. He would have been like music died when Zeppelin stopped playing. No, no. My 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 uncle, whenever he was younger, he was into like Metallica and Megadeth and Rush. And then when he got older, he's probably in his late 50s now. Breaking Benjamin fucking shine down. He had he adapted to the times. I think that's great for your uncle. Has your uncle built a military grade tank bulldozer vehicle equipped with multiple machine guns and gone on a would be killing rampage? I mean, he would. He's been in prison. He's been in prison most of his life. Something he would do if he had the if he had the freedom. Damn, I didn't know this. What is he in prison for? Let's not get into it. Theft and drug sales. Wow, I didn't know this. Oh wow. Yeah, I mean, do, do you not have a fucked up white trash family full of criminals living in Arizona? Because I sure do. Like, what do you what do you think it was like being inside that killdozer? And he's like, you know, he's there. He's got his little fan. His machine guns are all set up. He's like, he turns it on and it's like, and he's like, okay, fuck it. Let's go. He plows through that exterior rear wall of his, of his, uh, garage thing that was on the property. And now he's on the, the concrete factory property and just drives through one of their buildings. Do you think he's like elated? Do you think he's scared? Like, what do you, what do you think he's experiencing when he's just like destroying this shit? I don't know because I I feel like I feel like you know our our minds have been spoiled by movies and TV shows to think that these events like have this sort of like grandiose nature around them like when when dramatic things happen in movies <laughs> there there's this sort of like there's there's intense music and there's this feeling of sort of presence in the moment and everybody experiencing the gravity of the situation I think in real life when things like this happen they're just much more they just kind of happen you, you think he was just kind of like stone-faced, just like mechanically being like, all right, I must hit the center pylon in order to collapse this area, and then I can pivot, and I can hit that concrete structure, which will topple this, and oh, shit, I'm coming at the wrong angle. I need to I need to pivot a little bit. Yeah, I think he's probably just like running on adrenaline and then just kind of like did it. It's pretty wild to see the, to see the footage, though, because they have like security camera footage from the the uh dochef's like plant and like he 
takes down those first two buildings. Like he's just like a force of nature, just like, fuck you. I'm coming for your stupid fucking brick and mortar buildings. I'm literally bulldozing you in the way that you've metaphorically bulldozed me for the last fucking three months. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely longer than three months, but yes. Or what? Yeah, whatever, whatever the timeline was. Yeah, it's it's I, I would just be so curious as to what the interior of that fucking because it had to be super loud, too, because basically what would happen is he would drive into these buildings and then the ceiling would collapse onto the top of the bulldozer. And then he just kept going because this thing was so like a bulldozer itself is very durable. Right. But then on top of a normal bulldozer, he put steel, a steel wall with a foot of concrete and then another steel wall. So this thing was just like an insulated, you know, basically a like a really slow moving tread oriented wrecking ball. Like it just whatever it went towards, it just demolished. I'm the fucking juggernaut, bitch. Yeah, kind of, kind of. Yeah, um, it was the Sidorak crystal of uh, bulldozers. Um, also, side note, it's so bullshit that they made fucking juggernaut a mutant in x-men 3 i fucking hate that like I, I genuinely hate that he's a mutant um i mean they literally had him say i'm the fucking juggernaut bitch like i don't, I don't think it's any secret that that was a badly executed thing well you, you know the meme right like they, it's him like the original meme was just like a dude it wasn't like a british dude saying it like that it was like a dude screaming it and then and it, but it, but then they changed it to like a British guy being like, "I'm the fucking juggernaut, bitch." I get that it was just referencing the meme, but yeah, it was just it was fucking stupid. It's the whole movie sucks. So he destroys these two buildings on the concrete property, the concrete manufacturing plants property, just fucking street levels them, and he next decides, "All right, I'm gonna go fucking downtown and start wreaking some havoc." Which is so funny to me because this thing literally moves like five miles an hour. Like it is a fucking tank in every sense of the word. So it just is like. Yeah, which is like, which is like crazy because it's like, you know, destruction is like speed, like, you know, fucking 9-11 planes crashing into buildings. It happens in an instant and everyone's like, that's like what's shocking about it. It's like that just fucking happened. And everyone was like. Didn't even know what was going on for a second. And then the building started collapsing and stuff like that. This is just a dude being like, and then just like looking over and waving at you. I mean, not really because you couldn't see in, but like, you know what I mean? Like just metaphorically. And then just slowly just like, like that's the thing that is probably crazy. Like sitting there watching that and just be like, ah, no. Oh, 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 Jesus, Jesus, oh, 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 no, 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 oh, 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 like just being a witness to that slow fucking crawl. So he makes a beeline towards downtown Granby. The police get called at this point. So they're they like start to come try and stop him. But every gun that they fire at the killdozer does nothing. It's just like I'm the fucking killdozer, bitch. Yeah, it's the it's the uh, the TikTok meme, the Nathan Fielder. I hope you're ready for nothing because every gun just like it does nothing to this thing because it's a you know a steel wall, a foot of concrete, and a steel wall. Like it's it's just nothing's getting through that shit. Yeah, they don't they don't make uh, domestic terrorism like they used to. Like I, f- I feel like I feel like mo- most acts of domestic terrorism 
are just executed by really dumb people who are not prepared at all. So like the thing that they do just like, I mean, it might cause destruction. It might hurt people. There's no, not don't want to downplay that, but it just like doesn't work really. And the person just immediately gets killed. This dude was prepared. He's like, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm causing some fucking damage before I go down. The thing that really hit me about this is I've been thinking a lot about real life supervillains or people that, you know, could be classified as a real life supervillain. They call me Mr. Glass. So the, you know, I want Richard McCaslin to be that, but he's kind of not like he didn't really kill anybody. And like, yeah, he wore a costume, but he didn't really he didn't do anything that was that bad. Right. Yes, he was radicalized and deeply disturbed and could have really hurt people, but he didn't. Zodiac Killer literally wore a costume, was, you know, a, a killer of many people. Theoretically, he's never been caught. Maybe has. They've discovered his identity. Who knows? You know, we literally will never know. Jack the Ripper, you know, real life supervillain, I would say. Serial killer. Had a costume, sort of, uh, you know, iconic name. Killdozer. Killdozer is a real life supervillain. You know what I mean? But it, but in the, but in like the, but in the real sense, because even like Zodiac and, and, uh, Jack the Ripper, like for sure, like I would classify them as villains because just what they did was heinous. But also, like, is it really a villain if their crimes are just simply motivated by, I want to kill people? Like, that's certainly a horrible thing, but villain, I don't know. That's just a killer. They don't have some, they don't have an evil plan. They just want to kill people because they have, they derive sexual excitement from it. But Killdozer, even if he had killed people, he his plan was like he had an evil plan. His e- he had an evil plan to like take down the 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 fucking corporate greedy fat cats in the city. You'll rue the day that you betrayed me, Granby. Yeah. He had like he had a he had the evil plan of like every MCU villain, which is like you actually you kind of have a point. But but you're but you're but you're approaching it in a way that's very not good. But like you're not wrong, uh, Michael Keaton in Spider-Man Homecoming. So the next business he drove straight through the first one he did when he got to downtown Granby was a business called Mountain Parks Electric. He then basically turned, pivoted and drove across the street and drove straight through Maple Street Builders. The 911 calls at this point were flooding in. People were terrified. Uh, the incomprehensible was happening. Someone was literally driving a bulldozer through every building in Granby. Next up, his two targets were the most possibly symbolic of all of them. Town Hall. He drove straight through Town Hall and collapsed the entire building, pivoted, and drove through the Granby police station, collapsing the entire building. A cab, baby. All cops are bulldozed. <laughs> Why didn't I have that as the fucking act title? A <laughs> cab. All cops are bulldozed. And this is the craziest thing about all of this. Shockingly, no one was hurt. That is crazy to me. Not one idiot got trapped in the fucking bathroom. Nobody, nobody had uncontrollable diarrhea while this motherfucker was like bulldozing buildings. There wasn't one dude just like frantically trying to unclog a toilet being like, fuck, like I don't want anyone to find out about this. Yeah. Nobody, nobody. Amazing. I'm so curious what that would have been like, though. He's like barreling down on them and all the cops just like casually walk out of the fucking police station and start firing at it, realize that they can't do anything and then just go, okay, well, 
Let's go across the street, I guess. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, it was it was going at like negative three miles an hour. Like, aside from a freak accident of somebody happening to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, like, I feel like you would have had to try to get killed by this thing. Except for the fact that, but the, the other thing that's so interesting to me is that he had guns. He has three machine guns in there with firing portals and still nobody died. Like that's, it's crazy. I mean, he, he, he had, he had his plan together. He was, he was a supervillain. He was one of those supervillains. that's like, I don't want to hurt people. I just want to make a point. I think he wanted to hurt people. <laughs> I, I think he definitely wanted to hurt people. Um, so his next two targets after the town hall and the police station were Sky High News and the bank, Liberty Bank, both in the same downtown area. Um, we're going to now watch some helicopter footage of uh, him uh, a little bit later in the day. Um, but it's still just riveting to see him like driving around doing this shit. This scene looked like moments ago. This is a tape. Of, this is when we first arrived on scene, and it looked like uh, officers standing on a hill above this uh, earth mover turned tank were firing some pretty heavy arms at him, trying to find a weak spot, trying to find some way to uh, immobilize. This man was now on the east side of Granby in what's called an independent propane company yard. We thought for a time he might actually be taking out some of the propane tanks. He kind of looked like that's what he was thinking about, and then he took off and headed into the downtown area again. Um, Fight dozer with dozer. Those are the propane tanks that he was kind of milling about for a time. That car just drives by like, oh, fuck. Clock or so. This would have been about an hour into the rampage. And you can see the armor plate on the side of that. It didn't seem to matter what uh, police officers did with the rifles and such. And they could not pierce it. This was an earth scraper they moved in to try to do some combat, to try to in some way immobilize the scraper. Almost. Nope. Uh, oh, shit. <laughs> He's just taking out street lights. At the corner of the copycat store. Again, this is right in downtown Granby. <laughs> And it's just it's just so casual. Another prime target. He backed up while the radiator's smoking, while he has any power left, he's going to attack that Gamble's appliance store. It seems again, as we talked about earlier, that it was very systematic that he was picking and choosing where he was going and was very deliberate in his choices. Yeah, there may well have been a method to his madness, which is probably a, a good way to look at it right now. Uh, pilot Mike Silva, photographer David Gregg and I have, have taken a poll. We've been flying collectively about 70 years in this market. We've never seen anything like this. Yeah. Amazing. It's there's something hypnotic about the breaking of the social norm. Like you just you don't expect to see a building topple like that. Like you it's 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 not OK. I'm, it's a horrible, horrible thing to do, but it's mesmerizing to watch because you're just like, what buildings can be torn down like this? The fragility of our society. Yeah, there's a couple of things. That's funny that you use those words because so the first thing is like watching this footage, it's it's crazy how even as even as the the killdozer is like malfunctioning and like about to just fucking not work anymore, it's on its last legs, it's still just like can tear through a building like just a knife through butter. Like it's it just it's just like it, we we're, what we were talking about earlier about how slow it goes and making jokes about it going like two miles an hour or whatever like it really is it's just it this is not like if you watch this footage it's not like oh my god like it's fucking crashing into this it's not like it's not like epic or like intense it's just like a thing just casually just being like uh, 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 uh. and then the fucking building just falls 
Like it, it's just it's just tearing through shit like like nothing. Like these buildings are just paper. Um, but the other thing is is that this this thing is just the most dramatic example of the fragility of the social contract where like nobody can do anything about this that because of the fact that the thing is built to where you can't stop it you can't shoot him inside of it you can't disable it at all they literally just nobody can do anything about this nobody can stop this because and they can't get close enough to it even when they do get close to it they can't like get it open there's a point where they're saying that the cops were just like on even when even once the even once the killdozer wasn't working anymore and the cops were just on top of it they couldn't figure out how to get into it and be and it's like this solid steel and concrete so there's no handhold you can get you can't stick like a shovel in it or anything like that there's no seams or points where you could get in to like pry something open so like they're, they're literally just at the mercy of this thing. They, they Nobody can do anything about it. And the only thing they can really do is like try to ship in armor piercing weapons from another town. And even then, maybe those won't work. Who knows? There's no way. There's no way they would have. It's a foot of concrete. There's no way. So like they just literally cannot stop this. There's nothing that anybody can do. They are at the mercy of this dude of whenever he chooses to stop or go away or whenever the killdozer breaks down or whenever he fucking shoots himself in the head or whatever ends up like they're at that whim. And it, it is just, it is the most dramatic example of the fragility of the social contract because we liked like everything for more or less in society runs smoothly. I mean, we have a lot of fucking issues now with maybe some, the smoothness not being as smooth as it used to be, but like more or less things function. I mean, there's obviously a lot of fucked up problems in society, but like we, we, we survive, we live on. And this just, and this just goes to show that like, that's not because we are like in control and we are like doing things to prevent this. We are literally just at the whim of any maniac who decides to build a killdozer. And then, and then it's over. We are, we are, we are surviving by the fact that most people do not choose to do this. It feels like we're getting closer and closer to most people choosing not to do this is like, maybe, maybe some more people will choose. <laughs> like it's, I mean, I, I, I told you I'm, I'm browsing bulldozers on eBay looking for a good deal. You must be wondering about just exactly what he Meyer did to transform his vehicle into a tank. Well, he added a layer of steel and concrete and then steel again, sandwiched along the outside of the vehicle. He installed cameras in order to see outside at all angles. He even coated them in bulletproof glass and installed air jets to push debris off of the camera housings. He also equipped the vehicle with three gun ports, which housed a Ruger Mini 14, an FNFNC and a Beretta M82. Objectively, it was an unstoppable force. Hemeyer used all of his weapons at various points against the onslaught of cops and SWAT tacticians, but no one was actually hit, thankfully. Next, he drove to an openly housed propane tank and tried to fire one of his guns at them in order to make them explode. But he designed his firing windows at the wrong angle so he could only shoot his gun straight forward with no problem. But the clearance when shooting at an angle would cause the bullets to smack into his own armor plating, which is pretty crazy. Like there's footage of him like firing out of the back of the 
of the killdozer at these propane tanks, which was just been a massive explosion. And he's like firing. And then there's just like clouds of dust and debris shooting. It's like he's like firing into this rear guard that and the bullets are just like bouncing back into the bulletproof glass and the the rear the rear of the truck. So it's like bing boom bing bing boom bing boom bing bing bing. Like it's so fucking crazy. Yeah, and that's probably why there was no casualties or or that the guns really didn't come into much play in his destruction because you're literally because these guns are housed in this killdozer and what we keep talking about about how this thing goes five miles an hour and as you can see in if you watch the video footage like you know turning this thing is an ordeal. The, the fact that nobody was killed was probably m- mostly due to the fact that, like, aiming one of these guns at any target would probably take 10 minutes. Yeah, and, and you'd have to stop driving, you know what I mean? You'd have, to, you'd have to be at a standstill, get up, walk over to the little gun turret, fire, then move back to the driver's seat and start moving again. Next up, Heemeyer would go head-to-head with a heavy-duty scraper vehicle, which we watched the footage of. Um... I think they're called CATS, big cats. It's like a acronym. CAT stands for like something. It's not Earth Mover, but it's like C-A-T. And it's, it's a some sort of acronym. That well, the, 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 com- the company that produces the... the oh, those, is it? It's Caterpillar. And then they, they call them CATS. Despite it looking like they were going to have a Kong versus Godzilla showdown of redneck Earth Movers, that was not to be. The man quickly decided that his life was better spent not going head to head with a psycho with nothing to lose and started backing away. It's really funny in the in the footage, like the killdozers like going up this little road, the cat is coming down, and then like as soon as he like gets an eye shot of it, the cat starts reversing and driving away. He's like, nah, I'm good. Nah, yeah. I'm good. When you're staring down the barrel, like I, I we we went to this place, there's this little town. Uh, in uh, a little bit outside of LA um, that is like set up to be like an old fashioned, like Dutch little, little Dutch town. And um, they outside, just outside of it, there's this ostrich farm. And like, this isn't like some legit, this isn't like the fucking San Diego zoo where they got the ostriches at this like corporately mandated safe distance and all this stuff. So you go into this ostrich farm and you go out in these little catwalks with like little fences and the ostriches can just walk up to you and you can feed them. So we go out to this thing. We're like, yeah, like let's feed these ostriches or whatever. And I have this little, this little bucket of this food. I walk out of out there, this ostrich and from afar, like I've seen ostriches tons of times and ostriches, they're just, they're just like, they're just like birds. They just got, they're, they're just walking around. They're kind of goofy looking birds. This ostrich walked up to me and it got with like this close to me. And I was like, my, I, I had a gut level instinct that took over my body. And I was like, I backed away. When you see an ostrich up close, they're fucking dinosaurs. An ostrich from afar and an ostrich up close are two different animals. <laughs> and that, and that, that thing got this close to me and looked me in the eye. And, and I was like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. I, I I got over it and went and fed the ostrich and it was fine. But my first gut, my first like instinct was like, I need to survive. I need to get away from this monster. And that's what happens with this, this, uh, this other uh, caterpillar. It's just like, yeah, I'm going to go in here and save the day. Nope. Reverse. <laughs> beep, no, beep, no, I am beep, not going to save beep. the day. I do not have concrete plating, steel, steel sandwiched concrete plating. I'm good. Thank you. 
Yeah, which is like this. That, that's just more of like what we were saying of like they're they're they nobody could do anything. The only way they could stop this thing is with like a bomb, like dropping a bomb on it or or building another killdozer. <laughs> Mayor, what are we going to do? I don't know. He's destroying everything and all of our weapons are powerless against it. Mr. Mayor, I have a plan. What's your plan, hotshot renegade who made some kind of mistake in the past so nobody trusts you anymore, but now you're our only hope to solve this problem? We're gonna build our own killdozer. We can't call it a killdozer, though. We have to call it a bullstroyer. Brum, brum, brum. This whole thing is just like a fucking action movie with like heavy metal soundtrack. Jean-Claude Van Damme is Detective McCronkrick in Bullstroyer. <laughs> Dino De Laurentiis presents Bullstroyer, a New World Pictures production. Yes, I know New World Pictures was fucking Roger Corman's company. Okay, I know. I know. De Laurentiis would never have worked with him. That 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 was for Dino De Laurentiis, who listens to the show. Yeah, yeah. From Beyond the Grave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is Rafaela De Laurentiis, is she still alive? She might be alive. I have no idea. But if she does, she listens to the show. Yeah, definitely. The next place he Meyer made a beeline to was called Copycat Printing Company, who supposedly published a local newspaper that had ridiculed him multiple times. As he tore down the exterior of the building, the antifreeze line on the killdozer ruptured, causing white smoke to plume out of the vehicle. He next went across the street to an establishment called Gambles. As he started to tear down the front of the building, the same scraper from before appeared behind him, blocking his exit. He had no choice but to go straight forward through the building. As he pushed through, smoke began billowing from his vehicle. He ran into a fatal stroke of bad luck at this point. Gambles had a basement. As the ceiling collapsed, so too did the floor, which upended the killdozer, leaving only one tread on the ground. So at this point, he's like basically sitting there pinned, which is the some of the, the towards the end of the news footage that we were listening to. They were kind of talking about that. The the vehicle's kind of like half in the basement, half on the on the ground, and it kind of is slowly jerking forward a little bit, and then it just the the left tread just completely gets upended and it can't move anymore um so he basically says well that's the end of the road he pulls out a 45 puts it in his mouth and pulls the trigger uh, and he kills himself uh the the craziest thing about this is that it took the police seven hours to get into the killdozer after he kill, killed himself yeah and it's like like i said before it was on his terms it didn't stop until he killed himself and then even then, it was a full seven hours before they could get him out. If he hadn't killed himself, it would have still just gone on. I mean, he would have been stuck. He wouldn't have been able to like cause more damage. But he just, for another seven hours, the police wouldn't have been able to take him out. It's hard to understand what I would do in that situation because I don't think I would ever do anything like this. But if I was pushed to that degree, I don't know that I would commit suicide. I think I would do suicide by cop. Like, I don't think I would have put the gun in my mouth. I think I would have sat there as they were trying to get into the thing for seven hours and then when they popped that hatch just started shooting people you know what i mean but maybe not i don't know i just i don't know what i would do in these situations because it's just not something i would ever do you know yeah i, I don't know i don't know what i would i don't know what i would have done either i don't think I, I don't think i would kill myself 
The police quickly learned the identity of the man who had caused so much property damage, but thankfully, no death. They went to his home, the now somewhat abandoned auto body shop, and uncovered a treasure trove of audio recordings, one of which depicted Hemeyer saying, Because of your anger, because of your malice, because of your hate, you would not work with me. So now I believe I have to leave this world with a debt to you so great it can never be repaid. Anyway, hey, I hope you have a good time and a good life. I've had a good life. I'm going to put this tape in a plastic bag and someone else can figure it out. See you later. <laughs> it's so weird. It's so weird. I can't believe it's the audio recording is just amazing. It's so crazy. My life will end in the crescendo of pain that you have racked upon me for the last several decades. You will feel it tenfold. And as my reign of terror peppers the horizon with destruction, you will recognize that it is I that am the author of your undoing. Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm a little hungry. I'm going to go grab some lunch. Peace out. Anybody uh, Anybody try that new dollar menionaire? Uh, special? No? Mm. Uh, okay. Well, uh, I think I'm gonna go get a little sneaky snack. You guys have these nacho fries from the old TB? <laughs> it's amazing. They're a little over-seasoned, if you ask me. It's amazing. Amazing. Ultimately, the Killdozer incident caused the Granby residents to incur over $7 million in damages. Shortly after the town caught its breath, multiple fundraising drives were held to try and rebuild the properties in question. It was briefly floated that maybe displaying the Killdozer as a tourist attraction could be a good way to recoup the costs, but that was shot down and the Killdozer was dismantled part by part. Hemeyer's ashes were scattered in the Colorado mountains by a group of his former snowmobile enthusiast friends. Can you imagine what the small talk would have been for that? Like, yeah, Marv, man, he was a real good guy. I used to love snowmobiling with him prior to him going off the deep end and making a weaponized bulldozed tank and destroying like a whole small town and almost killing a fuckload of people. Yeah, but he didn't. Yeah, but Roy, but Roy, he didn't kill anybody. You're right. He didn't kill anybody, but he almost did. Listen, Marvin, Marvin got into some, some things. He, 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 you know, he, he did a few things that maybe I wouldn't associate with, but uh, you know, I don't, I don't like to get political. I like to keep those things separate. And I just want to remember him as somebody who fucking loved snowmobiles. That's what we're, we're going to remember Marvin today as a dude that just, he'd just ride a snowmobile until the sun went down and then just be like, oh my God, where'd the time go? I was having so much fun on this snowmobile. Let's not get into the, the complicated stuff. Let's not talk politics here. This is a politics-free zone. Let's just honor this man as somebody who saw snow and he was like, I want to be mobile on this bitch. I mean, I wonder what's the max speed of a snowmobile? Definitely faster than Killdozer. That was his fatal flaw. You take the Killdozer and you, instead of tank treads, you put it on four snowmobiles. Tundra Assault Killdozer. Do you think that Mar Old Dirty Marv, Mar <laughs> um, we're tight now, so I'm just going to call him Marv. Do you think that Marv, also because I just apparently can't fucking say his last name, uh, Hemeyer, Hemeyer, Hemeyer. Do you think that Marv, like, I know that the audio recordings are like, you know, I have nothing left to live for. I'm going to fucking do this. Fuck you guys. You wronged me. But do you think he had a change of heart in that last, you know, when the do you th basically, do you think he remained committed through the entirety of the Killdozer incident? Or do you think towards the end he was like, fuck, this was a mistake. I should not have done this. No, he was committed for sure. No regrets. Like, I, like going back to the that bar in Burbank, like 
those those guys have no regrets. They're not like, oh man, I wish we had just shut up and waited a month and we'd still have a business. Like they are they are resolved in the sacrifice that they made. Yeah, I uh, I'm fascinated by Marvin Hemeyer. I'm a little. I'm. It's curious to me how a simultaneously sympathetic the story is, and b how the internet has flattened it. Because, like as you said, it's one of those just viral stories that is everywhere now, and it's never presented as like this guy was wronged and driven to the fucking ends of you know human uh, durability before finally snapping. It's always just like, check out this freak with his fucking assault vehicle. Yeah, it's just like Maniac goes on Rampage. Yeah, um, which is interesting. Uh, part of me is like, maybe that's a good thing. And another part of me, because just you don't want to depict people who break and pursue uh, e- pursue extreme means, really, in a, in a sympathetic light, because that humanizes them and makes them maybe more of a role model or maybe not. I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's certainly people that would Gordon Gekkofy Marvin Hemeyer. Um, and that's, that's unavoidable, but, uh, you know, I, 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 I don't think it's a good thing. I, 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 and I think that that's, I think the idea of like, it's either that we say, I, I think this idea that it's a binary of like, either you just like depict someone as just like a fucking, uh, redemptionless, monster or a sympathetic character is not I don't think that's accurate I don't think those are the only two options and I think that that's the uh that is the the narrow emotional pathway that we give people in the society contributes to just like people more and more people doing things like this because ultimately I think it's not about sympathizing with Marvin Marvin Hemeyer or humanizing him or being like, oh, he had a reason for what he did. Um, but I, I, in my opinion, like, evil is not a real thing. It's a made-up religious concept. There's no such thing as evil. That's not, that's not a thing. And this idea that people are either good or evil is a made-up dynamic that leaves no room for grappling with the reasons for why people do the things that they do. You're either a good person or you're a bad person who does bad things. Never the twain shall meet. And we never have to think about like why you did this thing or what we need to do. So it's not it's not about sympathizing with Marvin Hemeyer or humanizing him or being like, oh, man, like he just he had he had a bad lot in life. It's just like, what are the reasons for how he led? He got led to this situation. What what are the what are the environmental conditions that caused him to get to this stage, and how do we solve those problems as opposed to having to wait for Marvin Hemeyer to go postal so that we can kill him? Like the, uh, a a punitive a, a a punitive system of of justice is basically just like waiting for people to snap and do bad things so that you can arrest them or kill them as opposed to like getting to the heart of the reasons for why people do the things that they do, solving those problems so that people don't fucking make a killdozer. And we have to understand those things in order to do that. And it's not about sympathizing with Marvin Hemeyer. It's about understanding what happened to him so that we can solve those problems systemically. And I do think the flattening of the story to look at this freak go on a rampage does irresponsibly lead to the opaqueness of the reasons for why people do the things that they do. 
yeah yeah i i agree with i agree with everything you just said yeah um yeah uh i think my final thoughts on this are it's a very sad story i really wish that the zoning committee of granby colorado wouldn't have been pieces of shit and they could have just like let him build a road like even if you're not gonna even if you're gonna kowtow to the fat cats and like bring the factory in there just let the homie build a goddamn road yeah or just like even not even getting into the specifics of it just not chalk up one individual to like a disposable casualty and a greater effort to like bring money into the city so depressing um spandrew any any final thoughts any closing statements yeah i mean basically just what i just said i i i think that uh you know, there there's a third option between sympathizing with people who do horrible things and also just like demonizing people as irredeemable monsters. I think that you can say you could even say this one individual cannot redeem themselves from something that they've done. Um, you know, I don't know. If, I don't know if anybody would ever have the emotional emotional capacity to like forgive the grim sleeper for murdering 80 women or whatever the number was. Like, I don't, I don't think, I don't think we're ever going to be like, Oh yeah, this man has redeemed himself in our eyes. And now he can rejoin society. Like that's, that's not going to happen, but also like, what are the systemic causes for what he did? Let's examine that instead of just thinking like, Oh, this, this person is a monster, like a literal boogeyman. That's not true. That's a, that's a, that's a thought terminating argument for you not having to think about the conditions that led to the grim sleeper. And the conditions that led to the Grim Sleeper are like people don't care in society about sex workers, especially black sex workers. So he was able to murder countless women and get away with it for 30 years because nobody gave a shit enough to like investigate the crimes. They probably could have easily connected them all, but because nobody cared enough, it, he just he got away with it for so long. Um, let's examine that instead of just thinking like, oh, he's like a fucking boogeyman monster. He's a human being who reacted to his environment. Um, and I think the, the same thing applies here. Um, you, there, there's, a, there's a third option that isn't humanizing him and sympathizing with him, but also not chalking him up to like a once in a lifetime monster uh, because anybody could turn into this. Anybody could make a killdozer with the right environment. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I, yeah, I think uh, the, I, 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 I think it's valuable to do an episode like this where we decompress a shitty clickbait viral story and show that there's like more to it. I think there's value in that for sure. I'm Dave Baker. And I'm Spandrew Spice. This has been Deep Cuts. If you'd like to uh, find me on the internet, you can do so at heydavebaker.com or at xdavebakerx. Um, if you like comics, please go pick up my book out now from Simon & Schuster, Forest Hills Bootleg Society, or my self-published action-adventure comic, Halloween Boy. First two issues available on my site. Third one, pre-orders coming soon. Um, yeah, Spandrew, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me tearing down the street at a at a at a strong three miles an hour in my unstoppable death machine heading straight for my target the nearest arby's so i can plow through it because that night whenever day whenever andrew got dave to try arby's they fucked up the order they didn't make it right and because of that he thought it was bad. This is your fault, Arby's. You should have made the order right so that Dave would realize that Arby's is the best food of all time. 
as someone who was there, that is not a factual statement. I, I know. I was, I, was, I was outside. I was watching you guys from afar. I saw everything. Uh, but you, you can't find me on social media because I'm not on social media. But if you want to pay your respects to the dear, beloved Papa Pricey, who in his final moments tried to evangelize the greatness of Arby's, you can go to his website, dapricerights.com, where you can get his book, Deadbolt AI Private Eye. You can follow us on social media. Go to Facebook, Deep Cuts Podcast. You can join our Facebook group, Deep Cuts Podcast Facebook group. We talk about the show and make memes. You can also join our Discord server, bit.ly.com slash Discord. You can follow us on Instagram at Deep Cuts Pod. You can uh, go to our website, deepcutspod.com, click on the shop, you can get t-shirts and hats and other things with Deep Cuts graphics. You can get our Mystery Treehouse Junior Sleuth shoulder patch, and you can uh, get our official 3D printer blueprints for your own Killdozer. Cuts is a production by Boy Genius Media. If you'd like to find this show and others like it, please visit boygeniusmedia.com or deepcutspod.com. If you want to join in on post-episode discussions, please join the Deep Cuts Podcast Facebook group. Finally, subscribe to our YouTube channel for additional video content.